Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jared Dawkins, and welcome to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast. I hope everyone is continuing to stay safe and stay well. I know as we all as we all continue to enjoy the NBA playoffs, there has obviously been something that has caught a lot of people's attentions. How could it not? And it has to do with the Brooklyn Nets, which is which is something that has stood out to me in sports. As we all know, the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks are are having a very very good just dog fight, just drag, just drag it out, just physical, just in your face type of a series. But as we all know, James Harden got hurt, and that, and Kyrie just got hurt. In game four this past weekend, messed up his ankle. He's he he's he he got injured, and I'm here to tell you why I believe with James and Kyrie both being out for Brooklyn, why it could cause some real serious trouble for the Brooklyn Nets. Now, as we all know, obviously updated, James Harden is going to play tonight in game five with this hamstring injury that has been bothering him ever since the regular season where he missed about 21 games. So James Harden is going to try to give it a go. He's going to try to play tonight. But in my opinion, with Brooklyn, Brooklyn needs Kyrie and they need James Harden because Kevin Durant simply cannot win this series on his own. He just... I mean, he just simply can't. He can't. Now, the one positive or positive that I can actually give the Brooklyn Nets as far as this series goes through four, through the first four games is that Blake Griffin played as well as he played and backup point guard Mike James played the way that he played. So, and, and, that, was in the, and that was in the first two games of this series with just... James Harden being just James Harden being James Harden being out, excuse me. And so Mike James and Blake Griffin both stepped up and played very, very well. Blake Griffin played well in the in, in the first two games, period. So with with Blake Griffin playing as well as he played in the first two games, Mike James stepping his game up within the first two games. It kind of, and Brooklyn just destroying Milwaukee like they did. That kind of gave Brooklyn that that cushion a little bit of okay, we don't have James Harden, we still got Katie and we got Kyrie, but we have that extra. We have that. We have that. That we have that extra, that extra umph from the supporting cast. Of a with a Blake Griffin giving us 18 points, 14 rebounds, and a Mike James giving us 17, 15 to 17 coming off the bench. But now with Kyrie being hurt, all along with James Harden being hurt as well, KD is not going to be able to carry this team by himself. Which means that a Bruce Brown is going to have to step up. A Mike James is going to have to step up even more. Blake Griffin is going to have to turn back the clock again to his Los Angeles Clipper days and play well. Tyler Johnson is going to have to come off the bench and play well a little bit. You know? 
So, bottom line is, bottom line is this. It's just as simple as this. With Kyrie and Kevin Durant, Brooklyn still wins this series, even without James Harden. With with no with with just Kevin Durant and no Kyrie and or James Harden, Brooklyn's not winning this series. It's it, it's just that simple. Now, here's the thing: with James Harden, with James Harden reportedly coming back tonight in Game Five and playing, if James Harden's hamstring can hold up, and he doesn't end up leaving the game within the first five to ten minutes of the first quarter, if if it's J- if James Harden can 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 hang on and that hamstring can hold its weight. And hold its water. I believe Brooklyn can somehow find a way to win this series. With just Kevin Durant by himself. And no KD and Kyrie. Or KD or, or, or Kyrie or James Harden. To go with Kevin Durant. Brooklyn stands no chance. Even with even with Kevin Durant being as good as he is. That's, that's, just, my, that's just my opinion on that. That, that that because because think about it, if it's just Kevin Durant by himself, then you're really gonna need a Blake Griffin. You're really gonna need a Mike James. You're really gonna need a a Jeff Green to step up and give you 15 to 20, 25. Because think about it. Obviously, as we all know. With just Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant is realistically the only guy, if you take James Harden and Kyrie off the court, and it's just KD by himself, Kevin Durant is the only person on that court that can create a shot for himself. Jeff Green can't, Blake Griffin can't, Mike James can't, you know, so, and also Joe Harris. Joe Harris is going to have to step up even more and give you 15 to 20. Joe Harris is going to have to step up anyway for Brooklyn. It's just that simple. Joe Joe Harris Joe Harris has not played well in this series at all. He really has not played well throughout this series. So, Joe Harris is going to have to step his game up as well even if James Harden comes back with Kevin Durant, or it's just James, or it's just Kevin Durant by himself, by himself without KD and Kai and or Kyrie. Joe Harris is going to have to step up and give you fifteen to twenty. So now, now is the time for Joe Harris to show why Brooklyn gave him the contract that they gave him. But with James Harden coming back now, I think. Me personally, with James Harden coming back, if his hamstring can hold up, that'll take a lot less pressure off of guys like Mike James, guys like Blake Griffin, and guys like Joe Harris. You know, so in my opinion, if James Harden hamstring if James Harden's hamstring holds up, I believe Brooklyn can win this series. Even without Kyrie, because because obviously Kyrie's not playing tonight. He's not going to play tonight. If he doesn't play in Game Six, if KD and James Harden can play to, and, and can play in Games Five and Game Six, and James' hamstring can hold up, Brooklyn's winning this series 
in my opinion. That's just me. That's just that's just what I believe. But without without Kyrie or without Kyrie and or James Harden and it's just Katie by himself, I don't believe Brooklyn stands a chance. I that's just that's just my honest opinion. But next up, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be part four of my NFL Division Highlight Spotlight Series. I'm going to be breaking down the AFC South and why I believe the Indianapolis Colts will once again win the AFC South and why even with the, even with the Tennessee Titans trading for Julio Jones, that still is not going to be enough for the Tennessee Titans to finally get where they want to go, and that is getting back to the Super Bowl. That's coming up, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Welcome to part four of my NFL Division Highlight Spotlight Series. I'm going to be breaking down the last division in the AFC of the AFC Conference, and that division is the AFC South. Let's get started. Let's start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. As we all know, the Jacksonville Jaguars, back in 2017, a few years ago, they had they had Doug Marone as the head coach, and also also Blake Bortles at the quarterback position, Leonard Fournette at the running back position, running the rock, running the hell out of the football. Marquise Lee, Allen Robinson, but they were mainly known for what they did on defense. Calais Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe, Miles Jack, Telvin Smith, Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Boye, Barry Church at the safety position. They were known as Saxonville. And you got the maximum that you could get out of that Jacksonville Jaguar squad with Doug Marone when they made it to the AFC Championship game. And as we all know, to make a long story short, that team fell apart. Doug Marone eventually got fired, and Jacksonville eventually had to start all over. So what did the Jack so so what did the Jacksonville Jaguars do this offseason? What did they do? They went out and they drafted the future of their the future of their franchise and Trevor Lawrence. But to help out Trevor Lawrence, to add to their running game, to add to to add to upcoming star running back James Robinson, they went out and they got Trevor Lawrence's teammate out of Clemson, Travis Etienne, to help be that scat back, that third down guy that could take the pressure off of James Robinson. What else did they also do to add to their secondary, to add to C.J. Henderson, who they drafted out of Florida last year, to add to... Sidney Jones the fifth they went out and they got Tyson Campbell cornerback out of Georgia and to add to their offensive line they also went out and they drafted Walker Little offensive tackle out of Stanford and to add to the back end of their secondary they went out and got Andrew Cisco safety out of Syracuse but then in free agency what did they also do to add to to add to their receiving core in free agency to add to Keelan Cole to add to DJ Chark to add to LaVisca Chenault, who they drafted last year out of Colorado they went out and they got Marvin Jones former former Detroit Lions and uh, former Detroit Lions and Cincinnati Bengals they went out and to add to and to add to Travis Etienne and James Robinson they went out and signed 
Carlos Hyde, former Seattle Seahawk. And they, to, and to add to their defensive line, to add to Josh Allen, and to add to to continue to add to their their defensive line, they went out and got former Pittsburgh Steelers Tyson Alualu, and they also and to to make sure that their offensive line continued to be intact, they went out and they tagged offensive tackle Cam Robinson. Bottom and, and they and not and not and let's not forget, they went out and hired first time ever NFL head coach Urban Meyer, who obviously as we all know was one of the greatest college football coaches of all time. With with the Jacksonville Jaguars, it's it's just as simple as this. To me, the Jacksonville Jaguars remind me of what the Cincinnati Bengals were last year. That's, in my opinion, that's what Jacksonville is going to be this year. They're going to be able to outscore you. They're going to be able to 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 have a balanced offense. But the question is, are they going to be able to stop anybody defensively? That's the question with the Cincinnati Bengals. They're going to or. or uh, um, excuse me, with the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're going to be able to outscore you, but I believe they're going to. But I believe they're going to struggle in stopping teams defensively, which is the same thing that Cincinnati struggled with last year. And I believe Jacksonville will probably go seven and ten, eight and nine, maybe. Maybe six and eleven, maybe just throwing that out there. But I believe that Jacksonville is going to struggle. I believe that Urban Meyer is going to struggle in his first year as head coach, and that's not to say that next year won't be different. Well, well, uh, actually, excuse me, excuse me. That that's not to say that 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 the the season after this coming season won't be better because I'm pretty sure it definitely it definitely will be. But for this year. I do not expect Jacksonville to be a playoff contending team. In 2022, oh yeah, definitely. But this year, I believe Jacksonville is going to take their lumps. Next up, the Houston Texans. Um, uh, there, there, there's nothing really to talk about with the Houston Texans. As we all know, the Deshaun Watson situation has been quiet now for the last few months. The biggest, the biggest takeaway with the Houston Texans is simply this. Deshaun Watson, obviously, as we all know, wants out of Houston. And what did the Houston Texans do? They signed Tyrod Taylor and they drafted Davis Mills out of Stafford. Right then and there, that lets me know with the Houston Texans. It is as simple and it is as easy as this. Houston knows with the fact that they drafted Davis Mills. They know that eventually they're going to have to move on from Deshaun Watson. And that's why they drafted Davis Mills to begin with. But just to, but just to be on the safe side, because we all know what's going on with Houston, it does not need to be rehashed. So let's just fast forward. What the, so what did, the, what, did the, what did the Houston Texans do in free agency? Went out and signed former Baltimore Ravens running back Mark Ingram. Traded for defensive end... Shaq Lawson from the Miami Dolphins to replace J.J. Watt, who they released in free agency, and he signed with the Arizona Cardinals. They went out, and like I said before, they signed Tyrod Taylor. They went out and got Phillip Lindsay. So you got Phillip Lindsay, and you have Mark Ingram as your running back duo. And they went out and got Christian Kirksey, linebacker, former, former Green Bay Packers linebacker, linebacker to go alongside Zach Cunningham, who they gave an extension to. But 
overall, like I'm overall, like I said before, this bottom line is this. Houston needs to move on from Deshaun Watson. They eventually will because they know that they have to just by the simple fact that they signed Tyrod Taylor and they drafted Davis Mills. It's just that simple. There's nothing more that needs to be said about the Houston Texans. They were wrong. They know they've been wrong this entire time. And Houston's not going anywhere this season. It's just that simple. But next up, ladies and gentlemen, the Tennessee Titans. In my, well, actually, no, I'm sorry. Let me backtrack. The Indianapolis Colts. As we all know, the Indianapolis Colts got to the playoffs last year, made it, made it to the wild card round, lost to the Buffalo Bills, who eventually made it to the AFC Championship game and got destroyed by Kansas City. Phillip Rivers retires. So what does Indianapolis do? Indianapolis felt like they needed to get better at the quarterback position. Frank Wright, former former offensive coordinator with the Philadelphia Eagles. What did he do? Indianapolis went out, traded for Philadelphia Eagles, former Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz. So with that being said, what did what so so with that being said, what did what did Indianapolis continue to do in free agency? They went out, they re-signed T. Y. Hilton, and they re-signed Xavier Rose. Not much not they really didn't have to do much in free agency, but they did what they had to do. They went out and got the quarterback that they feel like could lead them to the promised land, and they re-signed a couple of their own guys. So what did so what did Indianapolis do in the draft? They 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 released Justin Houston. They released Justin Houston, and they released Denico Autry. So to replace both of those guys, both of those guys, what did they do? They went out and drafted former Michigan defensive end Quiddy Pay, and then they also went out and, and and to add to that, to 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 replace Denico Autry, they went out and they also drafted Dayo. Dayo. Day, excuse me, Dale Odegenbo to replace Danico Autry as well. So that that that's a pure sign that Danico Autry and Justin Houston were not going to come back anyway. So and then to add and and then to add to their tight end room to add to Jack Doyle, they went out and they drafted Kalen Grinson, Granson, tight end out of SMU. Bottom line is this with the Indianapolis Colts. I believe the Indianapolis Colts are in position to win the division this year, and they will be a playoff team. It'll simply come down to the simple fact, can Carson Wentz, can Frank Reich get Carson Wentz back on track again? Because Carson Wentz had a horrible year last year. Can Carson, can, can Frank Reich get Carson Wentz back on track again to the point where Indianapolis is a legitimate Super Bowl contender again. Indy's a playoff team, but can they become a legitimate Super Bowl contender again? And that's going to simply fall on Carson Wentz and that offense continuing to go in the right direction because their defense is going to show up. Their defense is not going to be the issue. It's just it's going to be a simple fact of with it with Indy getting Naheem Hines back and Marlon Mack back, can they run the football? Can they pound the hell out of the rock? And can Carson Wentz can can Carson Wentz not think about not think about the game so much and go out and just simply play to the point where that Colts offense will start to get on a roll to the point where it could take a lot of pressure off of that Colts defense. That's what I believe about the Indianapolis Colts. 
And I believe the Colts will be a very, very dangerous team this year. That's just me. But like I said before, it's going to come down to can Carson Wentz get back to being the Carson Wentz that he was a few years ago before he before he tore his before he tore his ACL? And can they get back to running the football and can Frank Reich get Carson Wentz back on track? I believe that he can. But lastly, ladies and gentlemen, is your AFC is your defending AFC South champion Tennessee Titans. As we all know, the Tennessee Titans won the AFC South last year, but that's where it ended. They lost to the Baltimore Ravens in the divisional round. And Derrick Henry was completely erased from that game. And the Baltimore Ravens went on to division to went on to the divisional round, as we all know, and lost to the Buffalo Bills. But with the Tennessee Titans, obviously, as we all know, Tennessee lost Corey Davis in free agency to the New York Jets. So and then and and also they lost Adore Jackson to free agency at the cornerback position, and they also lost Malcolm Butler in free agency at the cornerback position to the Arizona Cardinals. So what did Tennessee go out and do? They went out and they went out and they went out in in free agency, and they they traded they traded troubled troubled tackle Isaiah Wilson. They signed Bud Dupree to make up for the loss of guys like Vic Beasley, guys like Jadavion Clowney, who really didn't give Tennessee much at the pass rush position anyway, but still signed Bud Dupree to a five-year, $85 million contract, went out and signed former Rams wide receiver, slot, slot receiver Josh, Josh Reynolds, and also to add to their cornerback to add to their cornerback room, cornerback room, they went out and they went out to, they went out and got Janoris Jenkins, a veteran cornerback, and then in the draft, like I said before, got Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech, drafted him, and then to add to their to the to their offensive line, they went out and got Dylan Redunce out of North Dakota State University. So simply put, with the Tennessee and and and, and as we all know. As we all know, they traded for Julio Jones, but they traded for Julio Jones to replace Corey Davis. Bottom line is this, and as we all know, King Henry, King Henry, Derrick Henry. Bottom line is this with Tennessee. We all know Tennessee is going to be very, very good offensively. We all know that. But with them trading for Julio Jones, that does not make up for the fact that their defense is going to is going to still, in my opinion, struggle as much as it's going to struggle this coming season it's going to, and honestly this is just me i believe it's going to struggle this season just as much as it did last season and, but you but i give tennessee credit for trying to fix trying to beef up a situation that was their weakness as far as pass rusher goes by going to get a bud dupree by going to get a Danico autry to add to a Harold Landry, who is a very, who is a very very good and up and up and coming pass rusher with the Tennessee Titans. So, but in my opinion, with all of that being said, I believe Tennessee and Indianapolis will fight it out for the AFC South crown. But ultimately, I gotta go with the Indianapolis Colts to win the AFC South, and they are my AFC South winner. But next up, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be time for the final segment of the show. It's going to be time for me to leave you with something to think about. Stay tuned. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Obviously, you know what time it is. It's time for me to leave you with something to think about. As as you guys all know, I just broke down the AFC South, and I brought and I mentioned to you guys why I believe that despite the fact that the Tennessee Titans traded for Julio Jones, why I believe I still think that won't be enough. Side note, very, very quickly, and I forgot to add this. I believe that with Arthur Smith being gone, and again, I forgot to add this, with Arthur Smith being gone, I believe that will also play a factor in Tennessee not making the playoffs neither because offensive coordinators have huge effects on quarterbacks. So with Arthur Smith being gone and being the new head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, I believe that'll play a role in the Tennessee Titans struggling this this up and coming season too. But with that being said, like I said before, I talked about the Tennessee Titans just just a few seconds ago. And I bring you this what if scenario. Nineteen ninety nine. Why do I bring up the year nineteen ninety nine? I bring up the year 1999 for this reason because that is the year that then then Tennessee Titans quarterback, the late, great Steve McNair, Eddie George, and Jeff Fisher went on to play the, Saint, the, the then St. Louis Rams with Kurt Warner, Isaiah Hakeem, Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce, Marshall Falk. And Tennessee, they, they fought, they fought, they fought, and they were literally one yard away from tying the Super Bowl and sending it to overtime. We could have had an overtime. We could have had a overtime Super Bowl, ladies and gentlemen, 16 years prior than what we got it in 2016 with the Patriots and the Falcons. We could have gotten that in 1999. But Mike Jones made sure that that, that, that didn't happen. But what if... What if Kevin Dyson doesn't get tackled on the one-yard line by Mike Jones? What if Kevin Dyson gets into the end zone? What if that game goes to overtime? And what if Tennessee actually goes on to win that game and win the Super Bowl? What if the Tennessee Titans end up becoming your 1999 Super Bowl 34 champions? Does, does Steve McNair finish his career in Tennessee? Does Jeff Fisher still get fired in Tennessee? In Tennessee, and 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 still eventually end up with the team that beat him in the Super Bowl towards the end of his toward the end of his coaching career. And how differently do you guys think the Tennessee Titans would have been looked at as a franchise had they won that Super Bowl in 1999. Again, this is a what-if scenario, ladies and gentlemen. What if Tennessee would have actually won that game and knocked off the Rams? Steve McNair, Eddie George, Frank Wycheck, Derek Mason, Kevin Dyson, Samari Rowe, Blaine Bishop. What if... Tennessee would have won that game. That's why this is what if, ladies and gentlemen. That's why this is what if. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast. I'm your host, Jared Dawkins, ladies and gentlemen. 
I hope you guys continue to enjoy the NBA playoffs, as I know I will. Continue to wear your mask. Continue to stay, continue to stay safe. Be smart. Don't be stupid. Thank you for listening. I'm out. Peace.